Good morning to you once again. Welcome to our second message in our series, What Are God's Odds? If we could rewind the clock to 2019, could we ever imagine, was it conceivable, some of the things that we have lived through that we have experienced in the last three years? I mean, who of us could ever thought about something like COVID-19, a worldwide pandemic that touched so many lives, grief and loss, hardship to many, many people? Did we ever conceive that something like that could happen? Or you look at the war in Europe, Ukraine. There's the First World War, the Second World War. We might think to ourselves, there can't be another war like that again in Europe. And yet, here it is. Did we ever think to ourselves, that could happen. Or maybe we look at our world, some of the natural disasters, things that we see going on. You look at the Southwest, uh, the Great Salt Lake, Lake Powell, Lake Mead are drying up. You look at our world, there's forest fires in Europe, the Southwest, other places. Did we ever think that things like these could happen? Probably most of us did not. Uh, for many of us, life was very, very good and easy in many different ways. And yet, we know these things are possible. Uh, if you read Matthew chapter 24, 25, 26, Jesus said there's going to be wars, famines, natural disasters. These are all signs the end are coming. If you read Revelation chapter 6, you see the horses running there. There's the horse of war, the horse of plague, the, the horse of famine. It's all there. We, we shouldn't be surprised. And then when we think about some of these things in our world today, right? no surprise, they happened. And this happened to a people about 2,500 years ago. Uh, the Israelite nation, the Jewish people, something unconceivable. How, how could this take place? The extermination, the genocide of an entire race. How, how could that happen? And yet, as we look at the account today of chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Esther, that, that was the reality that people faced. People just like you, people just like me. And so we're going to explore this today as we look at it to be reminded of who God is and how God works. Uh, last week, we started the book of Esther and we met some people. Uh, we met a man named Xerxes. Uh, he is the ruler of the Persian Empire, a very powerful man, a, a uh, empire that stretched all the way from India over to Asia Minor to Greece up in the north and Egypt down in the south. Uh, Xerxes is a well-known figure in history. Uh, the wars with Greece, the Battle of Thermopylae, and that won't mean much to you, but if I say the 300, oh yeah, the 300 Spartans that, that held off the Persians, you know, so Athens and the other cities could get ready. Oh yeah, that, that Xerxes. But he's a chauvinist, He's a sexist man, uh, he's greedy, and he's ruthless. And, and this is Xerxes. Uh, this is the man we met last week. Then there's a man named Mordecai. Uh, he is a man of great character. He shows love. He, he adopts his cousin, who is an orphan. Uh, he raises her. He takes care of her. Uh, Mordecai shows himself as a model citizen. Uh, he hears about this plot against Xerxes, this king, and instead of allowing it to go on for Xerxes to be assassinated, he reports it, it's found to be true, and he saves Xerxes' life. 
And finally, for Mordecai, it seems like he is a government figure, that he works in finance some way uh, in the Persian government empire because he knows things and he does things that, that only he would know. Uh, so that's Mordecai. And then we meet Esther, uh, a wonderful woman. She is as wise, she is as wise as she is beautiful. And she has this way about her. She's kind of like Joseph in the book of Genesis. Like everything she touches kind of turns to gold and she has this way with people and wins people and just has an influence on people. And of course, uh, she has this influence on King Xerxes and she becomes queen. And that's Esther. And today we meet another guy. Uh, he's the stinker. Um, he is ruthless. He is heartless. Uh, his heart is full of hatred. Uh, we meet the man Haman. And Haman is a friend of Xerxes. He's kind of his drinking buddy. They get together at parties and enjoy each other's company. And Xerxes decides he's going to do a favor for Haman. I'm going to promote you to second in command in the empire. And Xerxes lays down this command for anyone and everyone, bow down. Bow down and show respect to my buddy, to my man, Haman. Well, this is where the rub in the book of Esther begins. Uh, because Mordecai doesn't do that. And this is what we're told the beginning of chapter 3. We are told, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. We are not really told why Mordecai would not bow down to Haman. Uh, if you look at the Old Testament, there's many examples of believers, God-fearing people, who, who knelt, who bowed down to other people simply to show them respect. As a common courtesy. Abraham did that. And so we're not sure why that was the case, but, but some historians, Bible experts, uh, suspect that Haman may have been called an Amalekite. Now that doesn't mean anything to you. But let me just say that between the Israelite people, the Amalekites, if you read the Old Testament, there is a lot of racial animosity and friction between those ethnic groups historically. And so some Bible scholars speculate that if that's the case, Haman sees this as repayment time. I can get my revenge on the Israelite people, on this Mordecai, and I can wipe the slate clean. That could very well be, and perhaps Mordecai, knowing this history, knowing the hatred and the anger that was in Haman's heart, maybe that's why he doesn't do it. So we look at this and we can see that racial animosity, prejudice, discrimination, genocide uh, is very much part of Haman's character. And he comes up with this plan. In 11 months, we're going to wipe out the Jewish people and Xerxes approves it. Uh, this racial hatred. That's something that's been part of our world for a long time. In fact, Satan uses it in many different ways. Uh, Jesus ran up against it in his day, if you think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
Uh, Jesus told that to religious leaders, to the Jewish leaders, to remind them, to show them, um, even though there are different people from different ethnic backgrounds, they're all, they're all God's people. They have value. They're important. And in fact, they, they show love. That was true in Jesus' day. Uh, and that's still true today. Maybe in your life you have experienced racial animosity, prejudice, discrimination in some way. Um, I have. Little story. Uh, served on a Navajo reservation 18 years. And at one time a friend of mine, he's Navajo, we're going to travel to White River, Arizona. And so we're heading south. We're going to stop in Gallup, New Mexico. And there's a KFC chicken place there. And because I'm a meat lover, we had to stop at KFC, get some chicken. And so we go in there. It's mostly Navajo people behind the counter in a place. In fact, I might have been the only white guy in there. But he decides, my friend Aaron decides, well, I'm going to get the three-piece dinner. And I'm like, yeah, that looks good. I'm going to get that too. And so we wait a little bit, and they, they give him his plate and just three monster pieces of chicken on there. I'm like, oh, that looks really good. And then I get my plate, and there's three little pieces of chicken on there. And I'm like, and I look at Aaron, and he looks at my plate, and he smiles, and he says to me, now you know how it feels. Right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't say anything. But someone said, white guy in here, small chicken. Right? Maybe you've had an experience like that in your, your life. Right? Maybe you have. But maybe you've been on the opposite side. Uh, maybe you're a Haman. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching. All ethnic groups have value to God. But you thought in your mind, God, not, not that ethnic group and not that person. There's the stereotypes. I've heard this. They've done this or that. Lord, not that group. Or maybe in your personal life, you've run into someone, different skin color, background, different food, maybe different language, and you have treated them differently. You have treated them differently because of their background. There's been prejudice or discrimination that you've shown. Satan uses this in our world today. He, he did at Esther's time, and he had a purpose. It wasn't just to wipe out the Jewish people. Yeah, that was a shocker and a tragedy, something that they could have never have imagined. But it goes a step further, because if Satan wipes out the Jewish people, he wipes out the Savior, right? It, it's over for all people, death and damnation. And Satan still uses ethnic animosity today in our world in many different ways, and it affects Christianity, it affects us. And so when we look at Esther, this is our first takeaway today, to look and see that God, excuse me, that Satan, Satan seeks to divide people because of ethnicity. He does that. So how does Mordecai react to this, the prejudice, the genocide? Well, this is what we're told. This is what he does. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. And there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Uh, if you're not a Bible reader, uh, maybe you're like, what's up with this? Tearing your clothes, sackcloth, ashes, what, what does that mean? And it's a custom 
It's not something God commanded. It was a custom that the people did. But that custom really sent the message of seeking God's mercy. God, I need your help. And that's Mordecai. And that's the Jewish people and what they're doing. And we see other examples of this in Scripture. Uh, If we turn to the book of Job, uh, there Job tells us that this Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he sat among the ashes. I think about Job's situation. There was grief. There was loss. There was his children. His friends came and they didn't really support him. You must have done something wrong. And Job does this. And he is sending the message to those around him to God, God, I need your mercy. I need your strength. I need your help. I am enduring this and going through this. And I can't make it, God, without your help. Sackcloth and ashes to convey that message. Or another example, the book of Jonah, uh, where we are told, they, the people of Nineveh, declared a fast. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. A kind of related situation there. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Forty days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believe. And they turn from their idols, and they turn from their sin, and they say, God, have mercy, forgive us. And they put on sackcloth and ashes to show that, God, we are repentant for our sins. Have mercy upon us. Lord, we are seeking your mercy. Here's what we see Mordecai doing and the Jewish people. And if that doesn't raise an eyebrow, if that doesn't surprise us a little bit, it should. Because historically, when you look at the Israelite people, when you look at the Jewish people, that is not what they did. In fact, this is what we're told in Second Chronicles. We are told the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place, but they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare the young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So often in Israel's history, They ran to their idols, to Baal, to Asherah. They ran to foreign kings. They ran to their own unbelieving king. They ran to money. They went everywhere, but they did not seek God's mercy, his grace, or his forgiveness. And we see that, generally speaking, among the Jewish population. Sackcloth and ashes. Lord, we need your mercy. If we are going to survive as a people, if the promise of the Savior is going to live on, Lord, we are seeking Your mercy. There's something here for us as well. Uh, Maybe the question for you, uh, when's the last time you put on sackcloth and ashes? You know what I mean by that, right? For some of us here, maybe we are like Job. Uh, There's been incredible loss in some way. There's been suffering. Physically, emotionally, we're, we're going through something and we're struggling And we're praying, God, just like Job, have mercy on me. Give me your strength, your power, Heavenly Father, because I can't make it without you. Have mercy on me and send me relief. Or maybe we're like the people of Nineveh, and they're just idols. 
different kinds in our life. Money or job or people or a click or a bottle or, or what have you. There, there's some idol we're struggling with. And that pet sin gets us again and again and again. And we come to God and say, God, have mercy. Forgive. Show your love. Lord, give me the strength and help me to overcome this situation, this sin in our life. We come and we do that and God listens. And God has mercy on us. And so our second takeaway and our reminder, in our daily life, we appeal to God's mercy. God, have mercy. Mordecai did that. The Jewish people did that. We do that. Lord, have mercy. So how did Mordecai react to this? Yes, he seeks God's mercy, but he also does what he can to address the situation, and he goes to Esther. And he says to Esther by a messenger, And who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this? Uh, We named this series God's Odds. And I like that. I I don't really have much to do with worship. That sounds bad for a pastor to say. I don't have much to do with worship. But um, Pastor Tim, Pastor Mike, they they plan out worship, the the services, the theme. And when I saw we're doing Esther, I'm like, yes. I, I love Esther. Great book. And little Bible trivia. There's only two books of the Bible named after women. One is Esther and the other is Ruth. You said Ruth, right? Another wonderful story. Um, but Esther brings out God's odds. We look at the situation. Was it just chance uh, that Mordecai hears this news with, from within the government and has that information? Was it just by chance he can get this message? Is it just chance that Esther is in this power of position, authority, and influence to influence this heathen, unbelieving, chauvinistic king Xerxes? Of course not. God shows his providence, his power. He's in control. And that's a great thought for us. And one that Scripture brings out again and again. In fact, we're going to look to Ezra again like we did in our confession and absolution. Uh, Ezra said, recorded this, in the first year of the Cyrus king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, of the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus God influenced, God changed, God used an unbelieving king in a position of power to carry out his purpose and will in his life. God did that. Another example of that New Testament, a man named Paul uh, is sharing a sermon message with a bunch of Greek philosophers in the city of Athens, and he brings this up, and he says to them, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God moved Mordecai. God moved Esther to the place he wanted them to be, not only to preserve lives, but to preserve the promise of the Savior. That is our God. New Testament, we are told, when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. Think about God's power in sending our Savior. Are you familiar with the term the Pax Romana? The Pax Romana, the the peace of Rome? It was a time in history unlike any other time. In fact, historians call 
the Mediterranean Sea a Roman lake because the Roman Empire stretched all the way around it and there was peace, a rare thing that had not existed in that part of the world in history. And now it's there. And so what does it allow? The Romans are building uh, roads around the empire. People can travel. There is commerce. There is safety, right? People can travel. And Jesus comes on the scene during that time, and he can do what is required of God, and he can tell his disciples, go. Go make disciples of all nations. And they can do that because of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, and the disciples are able to do that to share God's love and mercy and forgiveness. And many lives are touched when the time had fully come. God's power. And we are recipients of that today. I am standing before you here on this day in August. You are gathering here, 922 Ministries, our church family, because of God's power and control. And to rejoice in that, to give thanks, to think, thank you, Lord, for having mercy on me, for your forgiveness and your grace that I am a child of God, that I belong to you in these times, and that you're using your power to help me and to guide me on my way to my eternal home. When the time had fully come, brothers and sisters, we are reminded of God's power in Esther. And that is the simple truth that we know. God is in control. God is in control. Can I tell you another little story about that? About a neighbor, a dear friend of mine. Um, this guy, my friend, happened to love a conservative news network that I'm not going to name. But he loved it so much that he would watch it in his workplace. And he would have it on in his home. And when we would go places and do things, he would have it on in his vehicle. And then even when we would go fishing, he'd want to have it on the boat. It's like, nope, Dennis, we are not listening to this in the boat. Right? No more break from it. But probably once a month, I'd have to have this processing session with my dear friend. And I love the guy, and I still love him. He is my friend today. But this political group is doing this, Jim. This leader in our government wants to do this. This foreign country is trying to do this. And he was upset and he was emotional and he was involved with it. Dennis, God rules. He influenced the heart of Ezra. Um, Dennis, he, he moves people in places and times like Paul told us. And Dennis, he's doing this for you. It is okay, Dennis. God is in control. Brothers and sisters, in your life too, God is in control. God is in control. It's our third takeaway. And so how does Esther react to this news that uh, Mordecai has shared with her? Who knows that God has brought you to a power for a time such as this? Uh, this is how Esther reacts. She decides she's going to go to the king and she's going to see him. And of course, this is the stress. This is the rubbing point in the story of Esther because if she goes to the king and he doesn't want to see her, a serious situation. We, we've seen Xerxes, right? There's no loss of love for people, even with the queen, right? We learned that last week. 
And so she decides, yep, I'm going to go. And she speaks these rather interesting words. She says, if I perish, I perish. Huh. What is she saying by those words? Is it this like confession of faith like Peter, Lord, I will never deny you. If I perish, I perish. That's what, is that what she's saying? Or is she lamenting? And has she lost heart? Despairing, it, it's all over. I mean, there's this decree, there's all this money that's going to be paid. It's over for the Jewish people. It's over for me. If we perish, I perish. Is that it? See, I think there's a third possibility. Um, Esther fasted and Esther prayed. And she's looking to God. God, have mercy on us. But I also think she realizes, I'm going to do what I can do. And she says, thy will be done. Your will be done in this situation. God, I'm, I'm trusting you. Isn't that what we see out of our Savior Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? I mean, for Jesus, it's worse than genocide. It's not just the Jewish people. It, it's all people of all time and all sins. And he's facing this. Father, if this cup can be taken from me, this is going to be difficult, but not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus did that for your salvation and for mine. Your will be done. I, I think that's what Esther is saying as well when she faces that situation. And there's something for us here as well. Uh, we have struggles. We have difficulties. Uh, maybe it's racial prejudice or discrimination that we're experiencing, or, or maybe there's some sin or whatever we're struggling. We have God's mercy. And now to get through this situation, Lord, I need your strength. I'm going to try. I'm going to do what I can. But Lord, I am trusting you. And I'm going to take this, this step of faith. And I'm going to go. You know what that is in your life. I, I don't know what that is. I know what it is in my life. But as I look at the future and think about the events of this world, the things in my life, yes, God, you are in control. And you are a God who has mercy. And Lord, help me to be able to say in my life, your will be done. Your will be done. And so this is where we leave off today. Uh, this is where we leave Esther. If I perish, I perish. And if you want to find out what happens... You'll have to come back next week and listen to our next pastor talk about the book of Esther. So let's close with a brief prayer. Lord Jesus, um, you did all um, to rescue us, to bring about our salvation. You give us your promise that you are working for our good in all things. Uh, so we ask you, Lord Jesus, to bless all who are gathered here, uh, those who are struggling, those who are hurting, those who have issues, those who have concerns, Lord, grant them strength and lift them up and give them healing and perseverance and comfort in the days ahead. Lord, you carried Mordecai, you carried Esther in your care. By your grace and mercy, and we ask the same, trusting in your love and grace. In your name, amen.